I haven't had a chance maybe to share with some of you, but anyway, the, the trip that I took to Niger with Pastor Bruce McDonald, the Regions Beyond Ministries, was absolutely amazing. I want to thank every one of you for your prayers. I want to thank you for those of you who shared your finances. I uh, just want to uh, say I can't tell you what an incredible blessing it was to just what God did there. It was absolutely fantastic. It had been three years we'd not been able to go because of COVID and other things. But God opened the door for us to go back, and we're so grateful for that. And um, anyway, um, I just, you know, I, I can't express to you enough um, the love, the gratitude that I feel in my heart. Uh, how can they go except to be sent? And I just want to thank you uh, for being a part of sending. I'm going to share with you a couple of things from my messages this morning. Uh, but I believe I have a word of the Lord for this young man over here. I don't know that I've met you, but uh, uh, the Lord just spoken to me and said that, uh, now are you together or are you separate? Okay, okay, I thought so. Anyway, but the Lord just said, you've taken a step of faith. You've taken a step of faith. It's been more difficult than you thought it would be, but the Lord wants you to just keep walking. And don't turn back. And don't worry about those who are behind you. Because the Lord will bring them forth. But you step forth and you keep following Jesus. And there will be a great reward for your faith. And for your faithfulness to the Lord. Don't be afraid. Rejoice and be glad. Because great things are ahead of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to share with you this morning from the Word of God about some dynamics of faith. Uh, the Lord kept speaking to me as I was preparing to go to Niger along the line, this line, and I shared some messages there. And I want to share with you this morning some of the dynamics of faith, some of the things that are part of faith working in our lives. Amen. There, there's, a, there's, there's a bit of a mystery to faith in one sense, but then there's another part that's very practical. And uh, in every act of faith, in every move of faith, in every gift of faith, there is an act of obedience that follows. Amen. But God works through that faith to do mighty things. Now turn with me first this morning to Luke 7, and I'm just going to quickly, while you're turning there, the first part of that chapter, I'll summarize what's taking place here, um, that uh, Jesus uh, has entered into the region of, of Galilee, into the city of Capernaum, and there is a certain centurion's servant uh, who was dear to him, who was sick, and ready to die. Um, and when he heard about Jesus, he sent um, elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and to heal his servant. 
So here is this centurion who has a servant who's very close and precious and dear to him. But this servant is very, very sick. And so he sends some of the representatives of the Jewish community to Jesus to ask him to come to his house and to heal this servant. And when Jesus heard this, he went with them and began to follow them to go to the centurion's home. But the centurion then sent his servant saying, tell Jesus not to come because I'm not worthy that he should come into my house. And he said, he doesn't need to come. He, he only needs to speak the word. He says, I'm a man of authority myself. He's a man of great authority. I'm a man of authority. I understand authority. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I say, come, and they come. I say, do, and they do. Here is a man of greater authority. And all he has to do is speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, this centurion understood some things. First of all, he stood, he understood authority. He understood that Jesus had authority like no one else. At the end of his ministry, before he ascended to the Father, he said to his disciples, all authority is given to me under heaven and earth. All authority. Amen. Jesus was not just a man of some authority. He was a man of all authority. He had authority over all manner of sin, over all manner of sickness. Amen. Jesus had great authority. And the centurion understood authority because he was a man who had authority and he was under authority. When the officers over him commanded him to do something, he did it. He didn't argue with them. He didn't ask questions. He did what he was commanded to do. And so this centurion understood authority. But the centurion also understood the power of the Lord's words. I don't think sometimes we are aware of the authority that is in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll get more of this later. But, I mean, when, when Jesus spoke, it starts in Genesis 1, folks. When Jesus was there, when the Word said, when Jesus, the Word of God who created all things, spoke and said, let there be light. There was light. Everything he spoke, that word came to pass. This centurion understood that Jesus was the word of God. He understood the power of the words that he would speak. If you just speak, my servant will be healed. For us to move in the kind of faith that God wants us to move in, we must understand authority. And as Americans, we don't understand authority very well because we're not used to people telling us what to do. We don't like to be under authority, right? Who are you to tell me anything? Well, I tell you, when it comes to the Lord, he has authority and we need to do what he asks us to do, what he tells us to do. Whether he tells us directly or whether he tells us in his word, we need to do it. Amen? He said, go baptize people. Make disciples. Amen. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. 
That's a command from a man who has all authority in heaven and earth. That's not a command you ignore. It's not an option. You say, I don't need to be baptized. Jesus said you do. I don't argue with him. You shouldn't either. Right? Because he said, go be baptized. Amen? Sometimes we, get, we, be, we know we know the Lord. We know we're saved. Why do we need to be baptized? Right? I met a woman. She was a Navajo from Arizona. She had a friend who got saved. And she was telling this friend, you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized. And this man says, but I already know Jesus. He says, yeah, but you need to be baptized. One day she came over the hill and here was this man. And he had a can of spray paint. And he was spraying a a sign on his sheep. And she said, what are you doing? He says, I'm spraying my brand on the sheep. Why? So people will know they belong to me. He says, who do you belong to? He says, I belong to Jesus. She looks at him and says, where's your brand? It was a pretty powerful way of saying, don't fiddle around with your identity. If you're saved, you shouldn't be afraid and ashamed to confess that faith publicly. And you shouldn't be ashamed to declare, I'm not just a believer, I'm a disciple. And I'm coming to be baptized into his death and into his burial and into his resurrection because that's what he's commanded us to do. We need to understand authority. We don't understand authority, but authority and the word of God have a great deal to do with faith. God wouldn't say it if he didn't want to do it. And if God said it, there's power there to do it. If God commands you to do something, there's power there to do it. Amen. So I'm just, I'm just trying to get this matter of authority and the word of God before you this morning. This is a great part of faith to understand authority and to understand the word of God. When God speaks something, something will happen. When God speaks to you, something will happen. Amen. Now I want you to turn with me in your, your Bibles to Mark, the 10th chapter. We just looked at a man who was a Roman centurion, a man of great deal of authority and of power. Now we're going to look at somebody else who was a beggar and see how they came to Jesus, how he came to Jesus. Mark ten forty six. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples... And a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. And he cried out the more. (laughs) Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. And he, throwing aside his garment, rose and came to Jesus And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want 
me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now, some of us would say, that must have been obvious. But no, the Lord said, what do you want me to do for you? He says, the blind man said to him, Rabbani, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus down the road. This is one of my favorite miracles that's recorded in the Gospels. Because it's, it's such a powerful revelation of, of the Lord, but it's also a powerful revelation of the dynamics of the human heart. Here's a blind man who has no hope. Every day he's brought or somehow finds his way to the side of the road, and he sits there and he begs all day long begging for just enough substance to be able to live. But one day he hears that Jesus of Nazareth has come near, and he's coming down this road, the one beside which he is sitting. And when he hears that, he begins to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, that's a cry of a desperate man because he's blind and his only hope of not being blind anymore is for the miracle working power of the Lord Jesus Christ to touch him and to heal his sight and cause him to be able to see. So you see, he's been begging, but now he starts calling to the Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now, I want to tell you this morning, faith, faith doesn't have problems calling out. Because if you really want the Lord to do something, you're not going to be timid about it. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, I need you now. Amen. There's a desperation to faith. I need you, Jesus. You're the one who can do something about this. And you call out, Jesus, Jesus. This is a different kind of prayer. This is a cry. This is a call. Amen? Call him up. Call him up. There's that old song, Jesus on the main line. Ask him what you want. Call him up. Call him up. Amen. We need to call Jesus up. Amen. We're always calling each other. If I had my way, we'd throw the iPhones out the window. I think the world would be a whole lot better off without them. I know we need them, or so we've been told we need them. But, you know, <laughs> I got noticed this morning my usage was up 34% this week. I'm going to take it down this next week. Anyway, I'll leave that phone sitting beside my bed and ignore it all day long. But because the thing is, is if we can call each other, we may not call him. 
You know, those phones can do a lot of things. <laughs> uh, Pastor Judy and Jennifer uh, were over at her house, and the battery on our car was dead. And uh, I, I, I love Judy, but she is no mechanical whiz. And uh, anyway, so the, my this Volkswagen Passat had a dead battery. And... Uh, Judy didn't even have any clue where the battery was. I'm not sure I did. But uh, praise God, Jennifer picked up her, her iPhone and asked Siri, Siri, how do you jump the battery on a 2015 Volkswagen Passat? And up came a video <laughs> to show them exactly how to do it. Now that's very helpful, you know. But the thing is, is Jesus is more helpful when you're in a desperate situation. When you're in a desperate situation. And Bartimaeus was in a desperate situation. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He knew that he was the miracle worker. He had heard about his other miracles. He'd heard what he's done before. And this, he knew, was his day for a miracle. And he cried out with a loud voice. Amen? Now some of you don't think the church should be quite as loud as it is around here. But I tell you what, when there's a real need, you get loud. When you're really desperate, you get loud. You're not afraid of loud sounds when you're desperate. Jesus isn't, he's not nervous. You can call out his name real loud. You're not going to make him nervous. Because you need to let the Lord know the desperation that's in your heart. And some of you this morning are not yet desperate. I'm calling you to be desperate. If you have a problem in your life, quit pussyfooting around and call on Jesus. I mean, call out for the mercy of the Lord. Call out for him to be your answer. Call out for him to do what needs to be done in your life. Bartimaeus called out. He didn't know it, but this was the last time Jesus would pass through Jericho. He was leaving Jericho to go up to Jerusalem to be crucified, and this was the last time Jesus would be in Jericho, and this was the time that the Lord healed Bartimaeus. You may not know it. You may not have another chance. There's some of you here this morning who aren't paying real good attention, but you may not have another chance to cry out to the Lord. The Holy Spirit's all over me this morning. Because this is important. The Lord brought you here today to be saved. Some of you have been on a fence trying to make up your mind one way or the other. Hanging on to the past. Not willing to let go of that in order to grab hold of the future that Jesus Christ has for you. But you need to be desperate this morning. And say, Lord, I really want to change in my life. I don't want to play games. I want a real answer. And I want you to really, really change my life. And really, really change who I am. But then, guess what? Bartimaeus was making too much noise. And the disciples told him to be quiet. <clears throat> 
All right, folks, if somebody's crying out to Jesus, do not tell them to be quiet. Don't tell them you're not supposed to act like that in church. I believe you should act like that in church. You should call out upon the Lord with a loud voice. Amen. And don't let other people be telling you to be quiet. Sometimes the problem is us. The problem is us. There's a voice inside our head that says, oh, don't bother him. Don't bother him. This isn't that important. He's got other things to do. That voice in our own head sometimes is telling us to be quiet. Sometimes it's our emotions telling us to be quiet. But the Lord says, don't be quiet. Call out. Call upon the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him. But you have to overcome this resistance. Whether it's from within you, from whether it's around you, or whatever the case is, you need to know that you need to call out to the Lord with a loud voice until you have an answer. He didn't just call once, he called twice. Because he was desperate. He didn't have another hope. There was no eye surgeon around the corner. There was no place he could go get a transplant. Jesus was his only hope for eyesight. And he called upon the name of the Lord. But then the Lord heard him and answered him. Isn't it amazing that in, in the middle of a crowd, Jesus stopped and went, who's that? What's that? He heard a desperate cry of faith. He heard somebody crying out in faith for an answer. And he stopped. And he told his disciples, bring him to me. And then the disciples went and said, be of good cheer. He's calling you. Get up. Get up. <laughs> Amen. But the next thing he had to do was he had to rise up. He had to rise up. Here's a blind man who's used to having somebody lead him around by the hand. He had to get up and stand up and take some initiative and begin to walk toward that voice that was calling him. Now, if your eyesight's impaired like my right eye, you have to be careful where you put your feet, right? My eye's getting better every day, but sometimes I still stumble over things. My wife has to watch out for me. My depth perception's not always the best, but it's getting better. But uh, I'm believing for complete, complete healing. When that rock flew up and hit me in the eye and broke my eyeball, two things came out of my mouth, Lord, I don't want to lose my eyeball, and I don't want to lose my eyesight. I mean, when you're desperate, something flies out of your mouth because there's something you need and there's something you want. And the first thing I did was call upon the Lord. 
I don't want to lose this eye and I don't want to lose my eyesight. I can tell you this morning, amen, that you need to be desperate about the needs in your life. You need to cry out to the Lord and you need to rise up. You need to rise up. I mean, you guys are funny. You know, as pastors, sometimes I, I just feel this person and I call them up and say, how are you doing? They go, oh, well, I'm okay, sort of. Well, what's going on? Well, this, this, and this, and that. I go, well, that's serious. Why didn't you call us? What's the answer? You're busy, and I didn't want to bother you. As a pastor, my business is to deal with the things that bother you and bother the Lord. I want to be bothered. The Lord wants to be bothered. But we, you know, people, oh, I don't want to bother you. You're busy. I don't want to bother you. Well, if you don't bother me, I'm going to be busier because that problem is going to get worse. And instead of calling me in the middle of the afternoon, you'll be calling me at midnight. So I want to know if something is wrong. Call me. Let me know. Amen? But you have to rise up. You have to rise up and, and be willing to let... Somebody gave me a definition of humility. I love it because I've never found a better one. Humility is the willingness to let your need be known. So many of us have been taught manners. Don't bother them with your problems. The Lord says, humble yourself in the sight of God and he'll lift you up. Let your need be known. Do not be afraid of having a need. Every one of us is needy. We all need something. God wants to meet our needs. But the other thing Bartimaeus had to do was cast off. You know, here's, here's a blind man. He's covered with rags. Why is he covered with rags? Well, one, they're rags because he probably didn't have any money for good clothes. So he wore what other people cast off as rags. He probably wore them for a number of reasons. One is to cover his body. The other is to keep him warm. He may have some other, he might have had some other rags that he set on so he wouldn't get sores from sitting there all day beside the road. Amen. But he had all of these rags around him. And when Jesus called him, he cast off his rags. Now you say, well, what's my responsibility? Cast off the rags. What are you using to hide your nakedness? What are you covering up? Cast off those rags. Other people have other things. Drugs. That's their rags. That's what's keeping them comfortable. That's what they're taking so that they can go their cell, you know, so it can deal with their pain. And, you know, they, what they take for one problem becomes a bigger problem. Other people, it's alcohol. Other people, it's sexual addictions. 
There's different kinds of rags that we wrap ourselves into in an effort to meet our own need, in an effort to cover our own nakedness, in an effort to cover our own shame, in an effort to hide our really, what we really need. We have a lot of rags. I was thinking I was about to send somebody to go get me a garbage can so that there would be a place to throw the rags. If you got drugs on your body, you can just throw them up here. We'll sweep them up afterwards. If you've got something here this morning that is binding your life and keeping you bound sitting beside the road being a beggar, time to throw them off and get a new identity and to have an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you want to rock, you have to get, want to be healed of, of your lameness you have to walk away sometimes from your crutches. And unfortunately, the crutches in our society aren't made of wood. They're made of other things that we do, habits that we have, ways that we think, ways that we respond, ways that we react to hide who we really are. And if you're hiding this morning, the Lord has come to search you out. You might as well help him and get rid of the rags because they're going to help you. He's going to fly right through those rags. He hates them. He hates them because they're a false answer. They're a false God. They're not helping you a bit. And he wants to help you a lot. But you have to get rid of the rags, whatever they are. You know what they are. You know in your heart if there's something that you're hanging on to that you need to let go of. Amen? So I'm just telling you this morning... Part of this act of faith is to let go of the rags. To let go of the rags. I see a big rag called self-help. Self-help. Go home and burn the self-help books. If they keep you from trusting in Jesus... And if they, can, if they convince you that you can do something about this problem in your life, go burn them. It's just an idol. Every self-help book that I read wasn't helpful. I tell you, well, everything that's wrong with you and everything they think you should do about it, but it's not helpful. It's not helpful to tell somebody what's wrong with them. It's helpful to tell them about Jesus who can do something about them. And that's what we need to do. Please do not give advice. Please do not give advice. Give direction. Pointing to Jesus. Call upon him. He will save you. Call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. But there's some things we have to cast out. But then... We have to speak up. Bartimaeus, what is it you want me to do for you? Before you come to church on Sunday morning, will you do me a favor? Will you take five minutes to figure out what it is you need and what you want Jesus to do for you? I think we ought to come every week with some expectation in our heart of what we want Jesus to do. But in order to do that, we have, to, we have to know what we need. 
There was a day in my life, it was a Saturday, and I was making my wife and my children miserable because I was being a grump, very hard to get along with. And finally, my wife, who has great wisdom, turned around, stomped her foot on the kitchen floor and said, what's wrong with you anyway? What do you want? Out of my mouth flew, I want a new car and I want to go overseas. I had no idea. It was just, I was so afraid to say what I wanted. This is what I want. This is what I need. It's amazing because the next day was Sunday. (laughs) And Judy at that time was playing the piano for the church. And our senior pastor walked by and she says, does John have any time off coming Does he have some vacation at work? And she says, yeah, he's been there a year. I think he's got three weeks of vacation. So anyway, then she got up to take the offering and said, Reinhard Bonnke's having a fire conference in Zimbabwe. And we have a couple in the church. And uh, they feel like the Lord's telling them to go. And that they feel like pastors John and Judy are supposed to go with them. So we're going to take an offering. We're giving $1,000. Somebody else says, I give 1000 Somebody else said, I give 1000 A few people said, we'll give 500 And in about two seconds flat, we were going to Africa. But that wouldn't have happened on Sunday if there hadn't been the moment of honesty on Saturday. Because you have to go, this is what I want. This is important in my life. Maybe, I don't know what it is in your life, but you need to be paying attention because Jesus is the one who has it for you. Jesus is the one who has it for you. You need to be ready this morning to call upon the name of Jesus. He's the one who has what you need. If you don't know that you need it, you need to know that you need it. And you'll, if you don't know today, you will know soon that you need Jesus far more than you think you do. And now is the time to be serious and not to be playing games. Not to be playing games. But Bartimaeus had to speak up and tell Jesus what it was that he wanted. The minute he said it, Jesus did it. Amen. By the way, I had a new car within a month too. But you have to be willing to face that what there's things in your heart that sometimes you are so afraid that they are the wrong thing and that they don't matter and that you shouldn't have to, you, you shouldn't be even thinking about it. You should be thinking about somebody else, isn't it? You know, if you don't get what you need, that person to you probably is next to you is probably not going to get what they need. Does that make sense? If you want to be able to feed somebody else, you better let Jesus feed you. Because that's part of it. I'm just telling you today, the Lord is here in this place this morning. And there's some of you who need to be honest with the Lord today. And you need to call upon him 
As a pastor, I'm just going to give you a couple words of instruction. We have some bad habits of coming to this altar and wanting somebody else to pray for us. Okay, if you want an answer from the Lord, you need to ask the Lord. You need to ask the Lord. If you ask the Lord for what you need, we can pray with you. But I don't believe we can really pray for you. It has to come out of your heart. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It has to come out of your heart, through your mouth, and then God can do it. But you have to be willing to speak out of your heart to the Lord. You have to be willing to speak out of your heart to the Lord. Don't be afraid of it this morning. Because when you cry out to the Lord, God will work miracles in your life. He will work miracles for you. He will work miracles through you. It's a cry, a desperate cry of faith. A desperate cry of faith will get an answer. I was sitting with two of my friends one time. They'd invited me over. She had just made some cinnamon rolls, and they invited me over to have hot cinnamon rolls and coffee. It don't get better than that, folks. And so I went over to their house. I sat down at their counter. She put a big old cinnamon roll in front of me and a hot cup of coffee. And I had just gotten it mixed with the cream and the sugar and was beginning to stir it up. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, go to the hospital now. I was planning to go after the cinnamon roll. (laughs) And I said to my friends, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit says I need to go to the hospital right now. So I got in my car and I drove six blocks, came up to this wide boulevard, and there were two young girls, you know, 11, 12 years old, crossing the road. And the, the older one ran to get across safely to the other side. The second one hesitated just a moment and then decided to run, and she got hit by a pickup truck. Her body hit the, the headlight. Then she spun around, and her body went down the side of the truck and with her head, she knocked the rearview mirror off of that truck. And I threw open the door of the car, and I ran out in the middle of the street. And there was already a pool of blood, at least a couple inches across. And you just, you're, you can't even think. It just comes from your heart. And I just said, Jesus! And I put my hand on her, and then I ran to call an ambulance. And when I did, I was so excited. I ran up to a house, and they had locked their front door, the screen door, and I pulled the handle off. So I had to go to the next door where I could get in, make a phone call. That was before cell phones. You could still call the ambulance, but it took a little longer. And you had to break a handle in the middle of it. But anyway, so I called the ambulance, and then I went back to see what was happening with this young girl. When I got there, the guy, the guy who was driving the truck had come and he'd put his coat over her and she was sitting up talking to him. 
when I saw her, she was laying on the pavement, at least unconscious and maybe worse. But when I got back, she was sitting up talking to this man. And so then I followed over to the hospital and went to see the people I was going to see. And then I went down to emergency room to check on this young woman, this young girl. I said, how is he, this young girl who got hit on the street? And the nurse said, well, all I can tell you is we sent her home. We took some x-rays. We examined her. There was nothing wrong. And we sent her home. But when somebody, when, you're, when, when their life depends on you, and they need a miracle, something happens. And you don't care what anybody thinks. You're not concerned about your mannerisms. You're not concerned about what people are thinking of you or anything else. All you're concerned about is that Jesus meets that need right now. And you get real bold, and you talk real loud, and, and you, you're, you're not polite. You don't say, Jesus, please. My mother taught me to say, please. But there's a difference between asking and calling. And when you have an emergency, you call. You don't call 911 and say, would you please send some help? You tell them what the problem is, and they figure out what to do about it. But the thing is, you don't beg, you don't ask, you call. You call out to the Lord. And there's some of you here this morning who need to call out to the Lord. Will you stand with me right now? Hallelujah. Amen. You need something from the Lord this morning. Get to this altar right now. Don't look around you. Just come on up here. Have a conversation with Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, Lord, you are a miracle-working God. Lord, with you, nothing is impossible. And Lord, this morning we're asking for the impossible. Just pray it out loud. Ask him right now. Ask him right now. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. Hear my cry, Lord. Whether it's a need in your life or a need in somebody's life, somebody you love and care about, call out to the Lord. Call upon him. Jesus cares about you. He cares about them. He cares about these things. Jesus cares. Cares about the details. Cares about these burdens in our heart. He says, cast all your burdens upon him because he cares for you. Jesus cares this morning for you. Call upon him. Cast your burden on him. Take that burden that's weighing you down and put it upon the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon him for a miracle answer right now. Amen.